Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington. In this episode, we get an awesome update from Garav. He recently hit a milestone, the $10,000 per month mark. He did that in December of 2020. The crazy thing is he started his journey earlier in 2020. It was sort of triggered by the COVID situation. So he's been at it for less than a year, which is pretty amazing. We dig into a lot of the details, including, well, I'm going to toot my own horn here. Garav did it for me as well. That sounded dirtier than I intended, but basically the keyword golden ratio has been very helpful for him. And I actually call out the fact that maybe the KGR is not always delivering when it should, or at least that's what I hear from some people. Of course, for Garav, it has been working out pretty well. He lets us know he's getting almost all of the revenue from Amazon at this point, and I'm looking for big things to uh, happen in Garav's world coming up in the next you know, six months, 12 months, and, and so on. He's just moving so quickly. It's quite amazing. Two cool things before I send it to the interview. Number one, Garav is going to be sharing his journey in the written word. I asked him to guest post over on Niche Site Project on a generally monthly basis so that he can let us know what's going on with his sites. He can keep us up to date with uh, earnings and traffic, things that are going well, challenges that he's facing, and that sort of thing. I'm excited to be publishing more on Niche Site Project without me writing every single one of the words. Although I, I enjoy writing, but there's only so many things that I can do and have the copious amounts of free time that I do have. The other cool thing with Garav is he has extra capacity on his content team. So he's extending a 10% discount to uh, niche site project audience members, the Doug Show listeners, and so forth. I'm an affiliate, so I'd get a commission if you do sign up, but I very much appreciate it. And after all, you do save 10%. There's a link in the show notes and description here, so you'll be able to scroll down, uh, see the coupon code, whatever that is, and, the, and be able to check out the details, see what matches up best for you. So it's pretty cool since Garav built a fairly substantial team, which we talk about, and there's just extra capacity and he's able to help other people out. And he already started you know, doing this on his own and it looks like this is a good platform for him to you know, share his story, hopefully inspire some other folks in the audience. And then of course, you know, some people are going to be able to take advantage of the fact that he has the content stuff figured out. He's published a staggering amount of content in 2020. So I'll quit blabbing here and let's hear from Garav. Hey, Garav, how's it going today? Hi, Doug. I'm good. How are you? Doing great. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. A lot of people were asking me to get an update from you. So what do you have for us? I, I'm kind of interested in like the last month, December of 2020, sort of hear revenue numbers, and then we're going to sort of back into how you got to where you are right now. Okay. Thank you so much. It's, firstly, it's always good to be with uh, with you. And uh, the December uh, month, the last month was uh, the best month uh, ever and uh, crossed a milestone. Uh, when last we had met, I was running a single site. Now I have a portfolio of eight sites 
and the entire portfolio crossed uh, $10,000 of revenue. And uh, that was it. And it's kind of grown over the last few months. Some of it was a little bit of a carryover from the Black Friday uh, uh, weekend, which was in the last week of November. But uh, yeah, I'm happy that uh, that that you achieved that milestone. And uh, this month as well, despite the some of the sites being hit by the uh, Google update, we are on track to uh, come pretty close to to that number. So yeah, the duck seems to be in the way. Congrats! That's uh, one of those milestones people really want to make 10k per month, and the fact that you hit it so quickly is very amazing. Now. We were chatting beforehand, but I want to make sure people understand the, you know, the breakdown of the earnings and the the fact that you have a portfolio of sites. Some people may be thinking, "Hey, eight sites. I don't like. I don't want to have that many sites." So, what, what's the breakdown of the revenue across your portfolio? Okay, so um, the top two sites are uh, contributing to most of the revenue. I would say a little over eighty percent, close to eighty five is what the top two are uh, contributing. Those are the two that I focus the most time, energy, effort, and money on. And uh, the others are kind of there because I was on an acquisition spree, so to speak, and there were good opportunities that, that came along. So I'm keeping them as a backup. I kind of put content on them as and when I can. But the top two, which contribute to 85% of, of the revenue, remain biggest focus. Got it. And as far as the revenue breakdown from the sources, where are you earning money? I know a lot of people really still focus on Amazon just because it's such a big market. It converts really well, but uh, you know, people are looking to diversify. So yeah, where are you earning money from? So um, all of this revenue, 100% of this has come from from Amazon last month. I am looking to diversify. Uh, I haven't yet been successful in running uh, ads on the on the site because uh, I got them started, and uh, uh, then there were some there was a problem of uh, extra clicks where my account got uh, blocked. So I'm still waiting out that that uh, block period to get them started again. The biggest site is knocking on the doors of uh, media wine numbers. So I'm torn between running, going with Ezoic or going directly uh, with media wine because like it's probably a month or two away. At least. So to answer your question, yes, it's entirely Amazon right now. But uh, if I were to project six months out, I would be projecting it to be you know, not more than 50% Amazon. So I have a few things that, I, that I've been working on that, that have taken longer to uh, materialize. But, and I'd mentioned or alluded to them in our last discussion, which was around uh, lead generation. But they are coming online. So I expect that uh, Amazon would be about 50% and then 50% of the other sources. Amazing. Yeah. Once you diversify that, it kind of, lifts some of the the weight, some of the stress off your shoulders. It'll feel a little nicer and you know, most likely you will earn, you know, more per visitor and the sites are growing as well, which is pretty cool. So let's we've heard uh, you know, some of the stats, some of the numbers. We're gonna talk more about that. Let's sort of go back to the beginning for the people that didn't catch the first interview. Can you give a little intro on your background and how you got started 
with niche sites? Because it wasn't really that long ago, right? Um, yes. Yeah, so it, it was exactly when the, the COVID lockdown happened. So it was April of 2020 and I bought an uh, existing site uh, about 10 odd days before the, the Amazon rate cut. So that was, uh, that was a bit of a bummer. But since then, um, I ended up putting a whole lot of content on there and 100% of that was KGR. I, I really loved the framework and uh, because of that, the site has grown very significantly. Basically, the COVID lockdown helped me focus and get this going. Apart from that, uh, I have my own business here, which which has got nothing to do with with these sites. But uh, now, I mean, ten thousand dollars a month is, is is a fair fair bit of uh, money, right? So, especially the growth trajectory that you're on, which is pretty impressive. So, and what about your uh, you know previous professional experience? Did, did you have a corporate job ever, or were you always an entrepreneur? Oh, so yeah, um, I had, uh, I had one of those, um, uh, well-paying, uh, very, actually very well-paying corporate jobs. Uh, but again, it was something which was stressful. Both my wife and I, she used to work for, for, a for a big American bank. I used to work for a big supply chain company. And, uh, at some point of time, we figured this is, we are not really cut out for, for something like this. So that's when the, the, Took the entrepreneurial route, and uh, I can say I've been there, done that in terms of the corporate life. But I would not give this for for anything. The ability to work from home, freedom. Oh yeah, just you have the flexibility to work on the stuff you want to work on. It's it's pretty amazing. Now, you know, I I spent some time at the corporate gig too, and I think I learned some pretty valuable stuff. Is there anything where you really value those lessons you learned, um, even though you had to sit in the cubicle, potentially travel and deal with the nightmare of the corporate gig? Did you learn anything that you wouldn't trade? Oh, yes. Two things I learned, which I'm implementing right now. So one thing a lot of people talk about, which is scaling things and using uh, uh, like you cannot be Superman. You can't do everything yourself. So using teams and building teams, that's what has helped me scale the, the, the first site with a huge amount of content. So that was one thing. The other thing, which lost, uh, which was very specific to my, my past company, uh, it was a very crappy, it's a, it's a huge company, which it was a, it's a very scrappy sort of a company where you're out there doing very bad, uh, brass knuckles sort of work. And they always said that you change one thing at a time. So if you want to expand your business, let's say you're doing, let's say you're selling square widgets. So either you start selling square handkerchiefs or you start selling round widgets. So you change either the shape or the the, the product, change one thing at a time and hence expand into adjacencies. So that was one thing that I took away from, from them. And I implemented here in, in, uh, my uh, website business it's paid me well or served me well. That totally makes sense. And I can see probably a lot of people are seeing the parallels, hopefully for the stuff that they're doing, but I'm thinking about that for myself and some of the projects that I have worked on in the past and things that I'll work on in the future, where, like you said, you know, one thing's working. So just change the one thing. Pretty valuable. So 
Let's talk about um, expanding the site and using the keyword golden ratio. You mentioned that it, it works great for you. It's fantastic to hear. I get about, I don't know, two or three comments a day uh, coming from various places that are like, KGR doesn't work. It's a dumb idea, blah, blah, blah. It seems to, and I don't even defend it anymore, um, to be honest with you, but it's because of people like you who can say, hey, it worked for me in this instance. So tell us about what you did. How much content did you put on that first site? And uh, tell us about the content process. Okay, so when I inherited the site, it had a little over 20 articles. Um, and uh, over the last eight months now, we've published uh, 500 more. So we've really grown that site and we've only focused on on KGR keywords. Uh, I always... Uh, had heard from a lot of experts that long tail is the way to go. But how do you define long tail? And what I like about KGR is that there's a set framework. There are numbers to it, there's a ratio, and you run with it. It might work for some people, it might not. It worked beautifully for me. And my process was initially I hired writers and I grew, grew the team to about, uh, I think, 10 writers in total that I was managing. And I realized that I have taken, taken up a management nightmare. So to help uh, things out a bit, I promoted my best writer to become the editor. And Steve started then managing the entire team of writers. It was a win-win because uh, he saw that I had aggressive goals as far as content is concerned. So he was, he was growing with me. He, his family, uh, kind of they were new to the country they, they did not have any other source of income so that really helped them and uh, it was good for me as well because all of a sudden i mean my cost did go up a little but scale suddenly became that much more possible because now i could give him uh you know let's say 80 topics 100 topics and i just would give him for an example how to x or if I were doing a best of best X of Y, or if I if I were doing you know a particular product review, so be, uh, you know a good ballpoint pen for journaling, for example. So, and he would then run with it. He would just uh, be able to to take uh, care of it. And then, so this basically this structure worked for me. And then I replicated. So I had one editor. And I replicated the structure by building more editors and then getting them to specialize. So one of them specializes in best of articles. The other one specializes in uh, how-to articles and so on and so forth. And uh, uh, each, like now we've, we've got a team of three editors and each one of them has anywhere between three to eight writers. So yeah, it's, it's an entire setup that's churning out but almost uh, we touched a million words last month. So, Wow. A million words. Wow. That's amazing. So how many writers and editors do you have all together there total? So three editors and uh, let me see, one, three, six, and eight. Uh, that would make uh, 17 writers, but uh, some of them are like, some of them just do it full time, uh, whereas most of them are, part-time. Got it. So about a team of 20 and what you described is literally the way that I 
you know, would spawn up a writing team. You identify a good writer. You see if they want to do a little extra. They become the editor and then they already know the style. They understand what the content is that you're looking for. And then oftentimes, not always, but most of the time people are up for variety, doing something a little more challenging, a little higher level. So and the other thing is you slowly did it over time. So, you know, some companies call them pods or teams or whatever, but you have individual teams that can focus on certain things. So they become more efficient and better at those specific tasks that they're working on. So really smart way to pull it together in, in 20 people. That's quite a few. Were there any interesting challenges along the way when you were hiring or scaling the size of that team? Uh, not not interesting challenges, challenges, but I very soon realized that I have to include... Uh, initially, I was hiring pretty much uh, anyone who was able to deliver a certain quality. But uh, very soon, I realized that I also have to include quantity because every writer comes with a certain management overhead. So if a particular writer or a particular person on the team is able to generate only, let's say, uh, 5,000 words a week, you know, maybe that person at the scale that I'm operating today, that person is not worth, that person is probably not even worth my editor's uh, management time right now. So a couple of months into this, we very quickly realized that along with good quality delivery, it has to be a certain minimum amount of work that needs to come through. Okay. That totally makes sense. There's always the overhead, like you mentioned, that it's hard to account for, but you have to do it, especially at the scale you're operating. So do you know, do you have a handle on how much it costs for each article, including all, all the overhead time, the management time, any hourly, all together, do you know how much, say, like a thousand word article costs? Okay, so a thousand word article um, would cost roughly between, uh, I would say, if I were to put in everything, like... Uh, 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 oh, by the way, we do we do infographics, especially on the uh, on the thousand and fifteen hundred word articles as well. So that takes uh, the cost up a little. But a thousand word article would cost me total all put together roughly around forty five to fifty dollars. And uh, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, I mean that's that's all put uh, put together. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So 40, 45 to 50 bucks. And that, that actually pans out pretty close to what I was assuming when I was publishing a lot of content at scale, just like you're talking about. And that takes into account, I, I suspect you pay your editor hourly. Is that correct? It's a mix of uh, how much work he's able to deliver and uh, hourly an hourly rate. Okay. Gotcha. So it's so, kind yeah. of a blended delivery plus, and you, you come from, uh, you know, the complicated, uh, I don't know if it's the <laughs> consulting world, but there's like time and materials and then you have like flat fees. So you have these blended rates that get complicated, but it's a good way to make sure the incentives line up across the board. So, okay. So in my defense, he's also an MBA. He's a, he has a very similar pedigree, so he understands what uh, you know what this thing is all about. So, I mean, in my defense, 
Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's a good way to set it up. And for the people that don't know what we're talking about, yeah, you can look up some contracts and like time and materials and um, some other, there's a bunch of buzzwords. I forgot, I forgot them at this point in time, but we can move on. So with the KGR, you, you mentioned it's been successful for you. You published 500 articles um, using just the KGR. For the people that say, hey, it's not working for me, do you have any tips on maybe why it's not working for them? Okay, so honestly speaking, it's, 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 it is a long-term play. It would not happen um, overnight. If you would, uh, I shared with you my traffic growth. You see, it's it's a you know it's an ongoing sort of sort of a growth. So I had heard this and I saw it firsthand. Uh, the articles that I published about uh, six to eight months ago have now started ranking, and uh, most of my publishing was back ended, you know, because the team was growing. So I was most of the publishing has let's say if, the, if I'm talking five hundred articles, then two hundred of them would have been published last month. Another hundred published a month back, so uh, it takes time. You know, I have to be I have to be patient with it, and uh, which I was. I mean, I I was uh, uh, I listened to all your podcasts, and time and again, people had said that it was working for them. So I I figured, you know, there's no reason why it should not work for me if I give it time. Uh, if you expect to publish an article today and for it to and it's a let's say a 200 search volume uh, article for 200 visitors to start coming the next month. It probably would not happen. But um, I can tell you from personal experience, articles which are 50 search volume are sending in 500 visitors a month to the website. But it took six months for it to happen. Got it. And I guess you know we'll, we'll peel back the uh, onion or move the curtain, I'm mixing analogies here, but basically part of it's my fault because from a marketing standpoint, I said, hey, you can rank in 24, 48 hours, blah, blah, blah. I usually don't emphasize like where you will rank, but one of the origins of KGR, I don't know, I don't think I've told you this, Garav, or if you've come across it in the past, me talking about it, but a lot of times people would publish content and they would not rank in the top 250 or anywhere where they can get any sort of tracking. So the idea that someone could publish something and then they would see, oh, I'm ranking 70. That's amazing. I've never ranked anything anywhere for any keyword and it's never shown up on any metrics anywhere. So the fact that they're in the top 100 is great. Now, if you really find one that's low competition, there's a good chance you will rank you know, pretty high, maybe in the top few pages. And if it's very obscure, you happen to have good content. I mean, you can rank in the top 10 in 24 hours. That's definitely more rare, but I, I will uh, bear some of the blame for, uh, you know, the slick marketing and a good name with a KGR, but I'm glad it's working for you. And from, I guess, the standpoint of publishing 500 articles, you mentioned, you know, ramping up. Do you have an idea like, or a target for how many articles you want to be publishing across all your sites each month. Just curious, like the scale that you're operating. That's a huge team, you know. I haven't really um, given this a very deep thought, but um, I have been too busy um, publishing articles to be able to optimize the sites. And the next target is now to to optimize the sites where I'm identifying the 
quote-unquote articles that will, that will lend themselves to make good clusters. And for every article that's there, I want to be able to publish three to four supporting articles, which would be shorter in length, but uh, uh, they would lend authority to to what is out there in terms of the website. So I guess if I have, let's say, 500 articles, I'm talking of easily making it 3x in terms of uh, word count and maybe 4 to 5x in terms of number of articles. Uh, and I have the infrastructure in place to be able to do. I mean, that's that's just amazing. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, a big team, a lot of content you're pushing out. So one thing you mentioned before, I want to circle back to, and I'm sure some people identified it too. So you mentioned the recent Google update, which was December of 2020. I mean, the fact is, if somebody listens to this in the future, there's going to be a recent Google update. They're always coming around. So what happened? I, I know some of the graphs that you sent over. I did see a little bit of a dip in December. And yeah, what, what happened? And what are you going to be doing moving forward here? There were two things that happened. The bad thing was that uh, three of my smaller sites were uh, butchered basically. So they completely lost uh, all traction. And uh, I figured that because they are all sites that I had bought from previous owners, they have not been really cleaned up in terms of their link profile. Neither have they uh, gotten a more diverse set of articles, but it's okay. You know, I'm, I mean, it's not a huge sort of a, a loss. Uh, I saw a big volatility on my top site and uh, uh, that was in the in the December update. I'm not sure. I can, I cannot be sure as to what happened. I saw a dip for a few uh, days, but it came right back to where it was. And in fact, the last few days it has kind of grown a little from off that base. So um, to to be very honest with you, uh, I don't know uh, what happened. But uh, I one thing I know is that. Uh, and which, which I guess all of us know, our business is exposed to, to the risk. So, uh, I have now, in fact, today itself, I was making plans of what can I do to diversify, uh, both from, uh, the source of traffic, which is Google and, uh, the source of revenue, which is Amazon. So I have, uh, uh, formed, so, um, uh, plan for doing Pinterest marketing. And let's see, I don't know. I, I know that the niche is not very visual, but it's still something that now I have the resources to be able to do. So I plan to do that and see where things go from. Very good. Did you come up with some other ideas for like the revenue model? I know you mentioned the display ads. I mean, that potentially could make up the other half or even more depending on the kind of content that you have and the RPMs that you may see? So display ads is, is one, and I'm pretty bullish on, on lead generation. Uh, I always look at uh, the traffic that comes to my site as people coming up with a problem. And while we are telling them that, okay, this is the best ballpoint pen for journaling, but uh, can we give them something else? Can we send them to the local bookstore, to the local pen store for, for something? Is there a way to be able to do that? So, uh, I experimented with a few things. I was not very successful, but, uh, I've seen some promise come up with, uh, depending on like what discussions I've had with 
these people. So we're running an experiment, seeing I've uh, got some pop-ups <laughs> on the website to see what happens. So, and speaking of uh, like pop-ups and software, sort of shifting gears. Do you have any like favorite uh, themes or plugins or you know software that you're using on, on the site itself that you really like and, and you want to mention here? Yeah, sure. I, in fact, all of them have come from your recommendation. Uh, I really like uh, Link Whisper. It has has uh, really helped uh, internal linking. Has helped make the the process uh, very easy. So that's that's one of my favorites. And uh, AAWP is the other one. I know you don't like it, but uh, I have really come to like the ability to to uh, display tables and uh, product boxes. It might not be the best, but it definitely uh, is the easiest and uh, to to run with with something like that. Yeah, AAWP super popular, and it was one of the sort of newer generation because there was a plugin called easy azon which you know garab before before you got into this stuff easy azon was kind of like the plugin and then it, it wasn't updated as much and i think the owner and, and creator of the tool wasn't as interested in like pushing that software and he's you know working on other stuff but aawp sort of brought some modern uh, looking displays and it looks pretty good. And just to be clear, uh, the one of the reasons I don't like it, although it's very functional and I've used it you know, many times, I don't think they have the operating agreement as sort of like their gold standard. So I think there's some things that you can do technically with AAWP, which are actually outside of the operating agreement, which can get you, get you kicked out of the program, which obviously is like the worst thing you could do. So as someone who's recommending tools, I just can't recommend it, even though I'm an affiliate. And in the past, I think some of the things that they were doing were 100% fine. Um, but at this point in time, Amazon's a little more stringent and I try to stay on you know this side of those rules. So in, I think there's ways, right, Gaurav, that you can use AAWP and you're not violating anything, right? Yes, yes. So I um, I did share this with you. I When I took over the site and I was using AAWP and I did get kick, kicked out of the, the program and I had to reapply. Yes, I mean, reviews is one thing that uh, the, the star rating is something that you should not be touching at all. And then making sure that uh, you're announcing the links and not, it does allow, and if, if someone from AWP is listening, I don't know, they might want to just look at it, but it does allow you to make the, the Amazon cart, which is, you know, it's a direct ripoff of uh, the Amazon button, which I mean, having worked in the corporate world, I know that would, that would ring alarms anywhere. So. Well, it's very easy to move away from these things, which I have. I would recommend anyone who's using AWP to also just look into. These were the two big ones that I found that that would, uh, I mean, they would definitely get you higher conversions. But if Amazon sees that, or if you're going to have an audit like happened with you, you can rest assured you'll not pass for sure, because it's just a copy of of their their cart, and <laughs> no, no no brand would like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Amazon obviously protects protects their stuff pretty closely. They have uh, you know, plenty of lawyers <laughs> they can go 
um, you know, fight that. It, it, they don't even have to. Like, it's clearly just against those terms. So, okay. So, you use AWP, Link Whisper, any others? Yeah, these are the two, two big ones. I am not a big fan of uh, of the page builders. I really like doing things with the classic editor. makes things very clean. And uh, I've developed uh, a particular template uh, or for uh, for my reviews, that converts really well. We've tested it, uh, and we've seen that. Uh, so basically, a combination of uh, AWP with Link Whisper and that particular template gives us something which uh, which has helped us to scale uh, scale things. Fantastic. Any particular WordPress theme that you like to use? I know you, you have plenty of sites now, so you must have uh, something that you lean on. I like, uh, I like Rehub uh, and uh, Generate Press, both of them. Uh, Generate Press is uh, pretty clean and uh, uh, very lightweight, but uh, needs a bit of coding. And uh, Rehub has also been good. So yeah, these uh, two themes, Astra is another one that I, I like. So my sites have a mix of uh, these three running. Got it. Yeah, and I've heard Generate Press and Astra are pretty lean and, you know, pretty vanilla, which is kind of what I prefer just in general. So out of the box, they probably look boring, but quite functional, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. And uh, I mean, you can jazz them up however much you want. So, And I kind of like that in themes. I mean, I use uh, the DIY themes thesis and then the focus uh, skin or theme on top of it. And really, I mean, you're looking for a framework and then you could build yeah. on top of it what you need. Most of the time, we just need a clean site that can load fast and you don't really have to worry about uh, like mobile as much if you just have something simple like delivered. So very cool. And do, do you use like sort of the normal like optimization for speed where you have like a CDN, uh, caching and all that kind of stuff? Yes, yes. Yeah. One thing that has worked for me is shifting my site's hosting to WPX. And uh, they are a little more expensive than your normal run-of-the-mill hosting companies, but uh, very, very responsive and uh, very hands-off. So once it's there on WPX, I just need to, if I need anything done, I just let them know and the team takes care of it. So I would... I mean, I'd suggest, I would recommend them, uh, especially to anyone who has got multiple sites, something like WPX is it's pretty good. Okay. And uh, th- I've heard good things about WPX as well. With your sites, do you have separate hosting accounts for each one of your sites or are they all on that WPX account? Most of them now are on WPX. And if you were to ask me how they're uh, implemented there, I don't know. So I just told them, you know, these are the sites, take them and put them on your servers. So they, they take care of everything. Got it. And they have a fast uh, server response time, which is one of the biggest hangups for, you know, load time where the, the client browser pings the server and then it takes whatever half a second to get back versus, you know, a hundred milliseconds or something like that. Very clear to see if you run um, some speed tests, you can see that sort of cascading waterfall situation happening. So um, any other tips on like a fast loading site or anything like that? No, not really. I think uh, 
I think with these three or four things, uh, we are 80% of the time, I guess, I mean, that's the 80-20 rule for you. (laughs) If you've done 80% of things by doing 20% of the work, then of course you can get that extra, I don't know, 0.23 milliseconds, you know, shaved off your load time. Is it worth it? That's a question you have to answer for yourself. I I feel that if, if, if it is loading fairly fast on a wild browser, on an off of a not really on a Wi-Fi network, but normal uh, 3G or 4G network. I'm, I'm pretty much home and dry. All of a sudden, our trans- sites are very transactional in nature, at least so far. I mean, I'm, I haven't really been able to take them up to the authority level where someone's coming and spending 10 minutes reading an article just because it's so interesting. Uh, they're coming looking for a specific information. So as long as they can be in and out quickly, you give them the information that, that they need. Uh, and I guess you get the click. Your your, your purpose is, so, is served. Google will like you. The reader will like you. Early on, you mentioned that when you got the site and maybe published some of those early articles, most of your traffic was going to you know a handful of articles. And at this point, now that you have five hundred, how does that traffic break down um, as far as like traffic per? post and I'll, I'll just sort of leave it open because I know you're going to take us in a certain direction here. Okay. Yeah. So that this is very interesting. That has happened uh, with the KGR content that I had published uh, about six months back coming, uh, really coming into its own that when I had bought the sites, the top page was about 25% of the traffic and the top five pages put together were uh, a little over 80% of the total traffic, or maybe even closer to 90%. Uh, now what has happened is uh, my top page is only about five, five point some percent of the total traffic. And uh, the top 10, 15, 20 pages are not even maybe 30% or 35% of the total traffic. So the site has become very, very page independent. Like it's not dependent on one particular page or a handful of keywords ranking for me. Um, over the last six to eight months, keywords have changed. The top pages have changed, but overall the traffic has grown and overall the traffic to individual pages has also grown, which basically means that the pages which were really the, at the back of the line, they started kicking up uh, traffic. So that's one made me less reliant on a few pages kind of works the other way around as well, where if you have to do a certain optimization, you cannot just do your top five pages and think that your 80, 80% of your traffic is taken care of. But honestly, Doug, I'll take that any day. I'll take the, the diversification over pages any day rather than have just one page or maybe a, a handful of pages drive to the traffic. And I would say that that has been primarily because I have targeted uh, long tail, low competition fields. That's awesome. I think, you know, if people graph this out, I mean, you're literally describing and uh, exemplifying the long tail. So previously you had the fat tail, you had, you know, couple posts, lion share of the traffic. Now, you know, most of your posts are getting, you know, whatever, half a percent to 1% of your traffic, something like that. And the huge benefit here, which I'll explicitly state is in the past, for example, on my first site that was getting a lot of traffic, 
I was ranking number one for a big keyword, maybe five, 7,000 searches per month, something like that. I was doing fantastic, making lots of money, lots of traffic every day. I dropped down to number two, catastrophic disaster. I didn't drop much in rankings. There was no issue. Going from number one to number two meant, you know, you're getting 40 less traffic and there's impacts, not just on that main keyword, but for all the long tail keywords associated with that one too. So the benefit here is if you lose rankings from like say number one to number two or number one to number five, at that point, it's only a small percentage of your traffic. So any one of those pages, if something happens where you lose rankings and lose traffic, it's a much smaller impact. So if it feels better, like as you're thinking about, you know, potential Google updates, you're thinking about competitors. Do you have anything to add um, in in that sort of topic area of reducing risk and helping you sleep at night? Well, absolutely, yes, uh, Doug. And, and it had uh, it happened exactly with me, where uh, over the last nine months now, my top page has changed thrice. My revenue has not come down. In fact, it has only gone up. There has been there has been a, a churn in the top five pages, I would say. But definitely the diversification helps. I can see that um, that same thing, the smaller sites where they're they're not as diversified, that losing one or two keywords really impacts your volume, traffic and your revenue. But I have to I have to tell you that uh, it is a long term and expensive route to take. Content is takes money to produce, takes money to optimize, publish. So anyone looking to do that should should be in it for the long haul. But uh, it's not it's not for you to put a bunch of content and flip the site in three months. Probably be up for disappointment. But if you plan to own and run the site for the next couple of years, then yes, it's a pretty good move. Very good. Well. Any other, you know, thoughts before we sort of shift gears into another area, just uh, on the site or you know that spread of traffic? No, I think uh, I think that's that's largely it. Uh, yeah. Cool. So we kind of alluded to it before. You have a, a fairly big team. You have some capacity, and you and I were chatting, um, you know, last week, and it sounds like you're going to be able to let people, you know, use some of your writers and stuff like that in some capacity. Can you sort of tell us about uh, this, I guess, really a service that you're going to be providing? Yes. So um, as the the sites have grown and matured, uh, the amount of content that that they require, the top two, has kind of uh, reduced a little. And I have some spare capacity. So I was in touch with a few through various Facebook groups, and uh, I offered them uh, this writing service of uh, this writing line, and uh, it was a good experience overall. It was again, it was a win-win, right? They were able to get uh, scale which they would not have had, and they got trained writers, people who exactly knew how to write, how to kind of present, and uh, the team is able to post the content to the uh, WordPress backend, which means that they do what I do, basically read, hit publish, and then good to go. So some of them I've really helped scale up 
and I'll be happy to offer uh, your listeners the same service. In fact, uh, I just quickly uh, put together uh, a landing page for anyone who wants to order some content to try us out. And uh, we have a, a, a coupon for your uh, uh, listeners. So if they want, they can just put like order and get this uh, coupon of 10% off uh, the coupon. It's Doug Deal, so D O U G E E A L, and uh, you'll get straight ten percent off of uh, whatever they order from us. We do a couple of other things as well. So, offer some very bespoke services. Um, we have, uh, if let's say you want an infographic, uh, and this is a service that I developed myself. Initially, I had to give a detailed brief uh, to get that infographic. But I trained some of my uh, designers, and now I just send them the URL to the to the article, and poof, I get back an infographic in Canva. And to be honest with you, uh, it does require a little bit of tweaking because I mean, it's at the end of the day, I am the owner of the content, but it saves me hours of work because what I get back, I just put in comments, and within one or at most two revisions, it's up to the mark. So, yeah, that's that's also something that I'll be very happy to help people with. And then um, lastly, I have a very special uh, writer on my team. Uh, so that person's an occupational therapist, and we are able to produce very high-quality uh, EAT content, so to speak, uh, where which has good material there in there, good references, infographics, and it's a very bespoke uh, service. But all said and done, over the last eight months, whatever problems I faced, I looked to develop a team for to solve those problems. And now that the capacity is there, I'm happy to offer the team's services to help your listeners. Very cool. And we'll put the link and all the details and stuff that people need uh, to check out. And it sounds like you're flexible as far as not, not with pricing necessarily, but you're flexible with like with what people might need. So I suspect if they would come in and they're like, hey, I need content. I need a few infographics. You could probably like get the right kind of package for them for the amount of content they need and all those details. So very cool. Um, and I'll, I'm putting in an order myself. I know we're, we're chatting beforehand, so we got to get the uh, specifics done, but I always like to, you know, use a service and make sure I know exactly what's going on before I recommend anything. So pretty cool. And I think, you know, this is one of those great examples. Let's take a step back and kind of wrap it up here. But I tell people, you may find that if you start a niche site, you may not like the whole process. However, you may find that you really love a portion. And I'm not saying you're like that, uh, Gaurav. It seems like you're you're digging in and you're really enjoying, you know, all the pieces of the process, but you identified an area where, hey, you have skills to build a team. You put one together. And I've seen this, uh, you know, with link building, with content, with other pieces where someone realizes are really good at something way better than other people. And they're able to, you know, create a service around it. And, you know, like I said, you got a lot of stuff going on and you have, um, you seem to enjoy the whole process, keywords, publishing the content and so on. So I think this is a cool service and a great example of taking, you know, action and then taking up the opportunities that show up right in front of you. You didn't know this was going to show up when you started a year ago, but 
hey, it looks like it's going to work out pretty well. And you happen to have, you know, plenty of contacts. You put together the templates, which sound like uh, convert like crazy. So very good. Awesome. Well, thanks, Gaurav. We're looking forward to getting, um, you know, more frequent updates on, you know, the progress that you're making. We're going to be documenting that over on Niche Site Project. So really looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Doug. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Garav and definitely check out his content service if that's something that you're in the market for. If you have any questions for Garav, feedback at Doug.show. Not only will I be able to have Garav back on to you know get some updates before too long, I'll be able to feed him questions. So when he writes those niche site project case study updates, he'll be able to answer those questions right within the text, potentially even giving you a shout out, although it's more likely to have a shout out here in the podcast versus on the blog post. So you know what, we'll scratch that uh, blog post shout out thing. But the point is, send questions in if you do have any. There was so much for us to cover in the interview. In fact, after we stopped recording, we were just chatting. I thought of like five more questions that I could have asked. And there's like different directions you could take an interview in. And well, I'll be honest with you, peel back the curtain here. It's a little, I mean, to do an interview, you're listening to the answer to the question, trying to decide, am I going to keep asking more questions about this specific topic? Do we need to take it into a different direction? Do we need to end the interview because we've been talking for so long? So there's a lot of little things going on, and it's a skill that I'll continue to hopefully get better at. But I know sometimes I think, oh, man, I I should ask like two or three more questions in this certain area. If you do have questions, feedback at Doug.show. Shoot me an email. Let me know. I'll get the questions to the right person and tell you about it in an upcoming episode. So have a great day out there and we'll catch you on the next episode. 